Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense, Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Blog Talk Radio. men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score, which would bring victory to the battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron grace. Welcome to gridiron grace, football history of Mobile, on the gridiron grace publishing and broadcasting network. And we're live from the South Fork, North Carolina home, gridiron grace magazine, Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America that focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. To cover 150-plus years of football history and memorabilia, you can find us on the web at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. It is at this time. I'd like to introduce my co-host. He's a senior contributing writer of the Good Iron Greats magazine. I'm football, memorabilia historian, specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk yeah. items, in particular Seahawks. He hails from Portland, Oregon. Mr. Joe Squires, Joe, welcome to the show this evening. Captain, I've been missing you. Seems like just yesterday we spoke, but I've been missing you, sir. Been a while, Joe. Twenty-four hours since yeah, we did our last show. As the end uh, of the year it. crunch, the end of the year crunch occurs for the podcasting world. As contracts need to be met, shows need to be recorded, and uh, we just push on with the greatest stretch of podcasts we ever did in all the years of the show. So anyways, uh, I, I'm, getting, I'm getting the vibe. This could be the last show for you this year because you're going to be doing some serious skiing, from what I hear, uh, over yeah. the next week or so. so uh, Eastern Oregon, be, great skiing. You'll be vacationing in the snow, and I will be vacationing in the sun and beach of Oak Island, North Carolina. <laughs> so should yep. be interesting. Both should be both. interesting. 
both the kids uh, both the kids are off until the uh, until you know a couple days into the new year for uh, for, for school and uh, and we you know we want to go get them better at skiing so we're going to stay with some friends and go skiing in Eastern Oregon really looking forward to it that's that's, that's very very uh, that's very good that's a, that's a nice trip and it's good to learn at a young age because my experience in skiing even though I came from relative ski country was very limited. Um, the first time I skied downhill, I had no clue how you stop with the skis, and uh, I went flying, <laughs> and I spent the rest of the night in the uh, Mount Snow. Um, it was Mount Tom, somewhere in Massachusetts, ski lodge bar, until my friends were done skiing, and they came and got me. So that was that was a one and done deal. I did a lot of cross country skiing back in Connecticut, which was safer for me. And uh, much more enjoyable. But anyways, we're not here to talk about skiing. We're here to talk about football, 365, 24-7, as we know. So 2022 is coming up, and I'm going to kind of monopolize the conversation here for a few minutes as uh, I've made a decision to make a public announcement on uh, what I'm going to talk about now. And it's all good. Nothing bad. But over the years, I have been asked by many, many people to write a book on my collecting experiences. And since we moved down here, my wife Brenda has um, basically stated to me on a daily basis, did you finish the book? Did you finish the book? Did you finish the book? <laughs> and the one thing I, I decided to do while I was down here was write a book, which uh, I actually got two separate books started. One I'm not going to bring up right now, but the other book, which I'm way far into right now, is entitled The Captain's Collecting Journey. And it's my journey <laughs> of collecting and trying to, down on paper, as many memories and as many notes as I've had uh, over the years and my collecting experiences since I was a wee toddler back in 1965, opening up my first packs of tall boys and 65 Philly cards. So I'm pretty, I'm probably about halfway done with the book so far. A lot of the book is going to contain pictures from my my personal collection, and uh, it's going to basically be a story, picture-type um, photo book experiencing what amounts to being uh, well over uh, 60 years of collecting and to try to put it down and, and keep it in um, some sort of historical fashion, which is what I'm doing, and uh, spending somewhat more time over the past 33 years as I did to the front 30 years of my collecting. Uh, So the book is basically going to look at the beginnings of 1965, my experiences, stories I can tell through the 70s and 80s up to the explosion in 1989, where there's a lot more information that I have uh, that I can write about, which I think would be of great interest to collectors whether they collect football cards or memorabilia or they collect anything else. Uh, it's, it's just a story down memory lane. And I figure I got the time to do it right now. I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a nice story. It's a feel good story. And, 
people who do collect will enjoy it. And again, uh, publication I'm looking at uh, sometime, hopefully the summer, but it's probably going to be more like fall of 22. So I'm going to keep everybody posted on it. But I did want to get get it public and uh, noticed. And um, I've always wanted to do it. I've written all my life. I've done a lot of writing in a lot of different areas, not just yep. in collecting. Um, I've done I've been a sports writer. I've been a political writer. I've been a newspaper writer. I've done a lot of different things in writing over the years. But it's time for me to write about my collecting experience. So uh, working on it every morning when I get up, I'm in front of the computer typing before anybody's up, and uh, the coffee coffee pot is percolating, <laughs> and I am writing and drinking my coffee and starting my day. So that's my announcement Bob. <clears throat> for, 20, for 22. If, if you could see me right now, I, I am grinning ear to ear, just Cheshire Cat. Uh, I, that, I, that is so cool. And just because you are, man, you are the you are the pillar of our hobby, and for you to put pen to paper and write a book like that is is incredible. I I can't wait for it, and I hope to hope to get an autographed copy from you, you know, uh, you know after it comes out. Ah, incredible! That's such good news. So how how are you? How do you attack that? I've never written something like that. And I remember when we had Chris Willis on. I was asking him how how he put a book together because. You know the most. You know I've I've written small stuff. You know articles for Gridiron, and I I have a an odd writing style. My my wife has a journalism degree from U of O, so she kind mm-hmm. of makes fun of my writing style. But I mean, are you do you like lay out the chapters? You're like I want to write a chapter about this, 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 and this. Here's 15 chapters, and then you start filling in from there. Or yeah. Well, what I what I attempt what I attempt to do every day, and I'm not always successful. I try to write three to five hundred words daily. So. In my process of writing a book, I don't write it, um, you know, chapter after chapter. For example, I got the back end of the book almost complete. The front end of the book, I'm really trying to think about things of what happened. I've been talking to a few friends of mine who have kind of jogged my memory as far as, uh, you know, different events, so on and so forth. And, again, I, I, I do take a slight hiatus in the seventies when I was in high school and in college for a few different reasons, but I, I still actually bought packs and I still collected. And I, I'm looking back and I'm thinking about stuff. The seventies, I collected more publications than I actually did cards. And then in the eighties, I went more back to cards because I had a little more disposable income and I could, you know, I, I enjoyed the beauty of subscribing to a magazine, which was a lot cheaper than buying the, you know, the copy every, every week at the newsstand. So I, I basically broken down the book from 1965 roughly to the 80s, and then the explosion from 1989 to the current year, 20 until until you know this year type of, uh, of writing, and I try to keep writing three to five hundred words a day, and again I'm not always successful on it. Some days it really flows very very easily, you know what I want to write. At other days, it's it's very difficult to 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 write anything. So you you know you got to be disciplined as far as writing is concerned. I figured now I got the time, and I really don't have a lot of stress um, besides waiting for the house to be you know, for us to move into the house. Once we're into the house, I can actually yeah. get at my collection again 
and then I'll be able to photograph uh, what I want to, you know, put in. So it's going to be, to me, it's going to be the type of book I like reading where there's a lot of photos in it, a lot of pictures in it. It's visual besides the written word. So it, it's a flowing book. I call it a flowing book for lack of a better term. And it's just a question of discipline. And, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty disciplined guy, so I'm, I'm not overly concerned with that. But, no, now's the time. I just got to do it. I just I made too many excuses over the years. I didn't have the time. I couldn't do this. I was doing that. I, I took over the magazine. I'm going to be working on the magazine, yeah. which, you know, the magazine does take a lot of time. We're, we're getting ready for issue 75 right now. So I'm piecing together. I'm proofing all the articles that we have. We're, we're starting to talk about layout. Um, I got to do my column. I got to, you know, uh, check on everybody's ads that are coming in, so on and so forth. So there's there's work to that, you know. But since I don't have a, a nine to five job right now, now's the time for me to do it, and, I, and I'm trying to do it. Yeah. So uh, I made a decision. The last show you and I were going to do this year, I was going to announce it, and um, I, I I can see my email uh, starting to pick up a little because I did. Uh, you know, I have been casually <laughs> mentioning to people, I'm seriously thinking about doing this, but today's the formal announcement on it. So uh, wow. I just wanted to get it out there and give everybody something to look forward to. The ideal situation somehow is to, is to get it ready for the national <clears throat> for next summer, oh. which means yeah, yeah. I really got to move on it. And, um, and hopefully, I am going to self-publish the book. Now, unless some publisher calls me after the show tonight and says, uh, "Listen, we got to have the book," you know, what do you want for an advance? And then when I wake up from that dream, I'll go back to my uh, normal. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to publish it myself, and, uh, and uh, we'll uh, make it work. That's a situation. But anyways, ever, uh, uh, so that you ever said that? I've been working at. I've been working on a, a fiction book about football and for cool. years now, and I can't, I just can't get it together. Uh, I start and stop that all the time. I've been writing that for over five years now. And uh, I just, you know, some parts of it I really like, other parts of it I really don't like, so I keep rewriting certain parts of it. And um, I try to picture myself as John Updike, you know, what he used to do. And Updike basically – it was a full-time job for him. He would wake up in the morning and he would start reading and writing. And that was his job. So I'm kind of wondering if this second career, second career that I have in my sixties now, if I could just do the same thing, be a full-time writer, get some income out of it. And, um, you know, just say I'm a writer. now. I write about, uh, football cards and memorabilia and football history and the like, and just take it from there. And that's it. Uh, so anyways, well, I'm excited. Uh, I love your, I love your writing style, Bob. Uh, just the articles you've written, even going back, you know, you know previous iterations before Gridiron. It is, I love your writing style. I love your prologues, you know, in the Gridiron. Uh, it's the, you know, the first thing I enjoy reading when we open up. Uh, but yeah, so I'm excited for this book. Um, well, yeah, I, try to, a, I try to, I try to, I try to, I try to tell people I, I write, I write in a older style, which is not prevalent today. I try to write from, you know, write from uh, a perspective of, you know, we got to, you got to talk to your audience. You got to be friendly to your audience and you have to, 
know that your audience is reading you, reading your what you're writing, and they want to, you know, they want to be there. You're going to make them feel like they're at home. And I always felt my column, I want you to feel like you're at home. You opened up the magazine after a day of work or whatever. It's a weekend. You got some free time, and that's the first thing you read. And it's, you know, it's a, a for lack of a better term, a down down home uh, type of column talking about collecting, Ooh. talking about the magazine, talking about the past, and, uh, you know, people appreciate it. I know my older readers, um, a lot of them say that's the first thing that they read that column before they do anything, and uh, yep. they look forward to it. So I appreciate that. I, I appreciate um, readers enjoying what I write, and that's that's what it's all about. And I remember when I used to write my uh, Slicks Kicks, in the early issues of Gridiron Greats, uh, I was always told that, you know, a lot of a lot of readers at that time really enjoyed what I was writing because, again, I gave them a different perspective. It was an older, old, for lack of a better term, old-fashioned perspective on the hobby and, and, and what was what was new, what was exciting, what was going on, and, and that's it. So, uh, be on the lookout. Be on the lookout. Can't wait. Can't Justin's wait. Collecting Journal. Published, hopefully, at some point in 2022. Right, Is uh, that the question. title? Captain's, uh, Captain's Collecting Journal? Captain's Collecting Journey. Journey. That's the name of the, the text. Yeah. So, All uh, right. Perfect. I could change it. Could change it. I, I could change it to Journal. I thought about that, but I, I wanted to make it the Journey. So... Um, it is. It was a journey. It was a journey. It's a journey every day that I, I wake up and I, I find out something new or somebody asks me a question about something and it's, uh, it's fun. It's very fun. I enjoy it. I truly enjoy it. I've made I've made many many friendships over many years in this hobby and it's uh, been very rewarding for me. It's been very enriching for me to have a hobby and then to also have friendship and camaraderie in the hobby. To accent it, I think that's what it's all about. And it's it's, uh, it's a nice thing, to say the least. All right, enough about me. Dude. Our special special guest tonight is waiting. Our special guest has been featured as the Gridiron Greats Magazine Super Collector in our issue number fifty-seven, which was summer of twenty seventeen. He was last on our podcast July twenty-second, twenty twenty, to talk about his incredible collection of Minnesota Viking football cards. It's originally from Minnesota, but he's currently residing in Georgia. I'd like to welcome to our show our good friend, Mr. Eric Stein. Eric, welcome to the show this evening. Bob, Joe, good to hear your voices. Super exciting yeah. about the book that you're writing. That is fantastic. Happy holidays. Eric, I know you're I know you're on a on a high note today because your Vikings won last night. In enemy territory. And that yeah, was, it was, I, I hate to say it, it was a rough game to watch. It was it was it, tough yeah. for me. So it, it was an ugly win, but we'll take a win. I think uh, what a Cousins maybe threw for 87 yards, and the entire Bears defense was out due to COVID. So um, that's a frustrating team. That the 2021 Vikings, I think. Uh, I think even last night uh, the Bears scored in the last second of the game, and I think every game they've the scores have been within you know eight points or less. So 
It's been kind of yeah. not good on my blood pressure this year, but um, they've kept <laughs> it entertaining. Kept it entertaining. Three more games left. I can't believe it. Can't believe it's this yeah. late in the season. And your Packers are doing great, as usual. Look, A lot of respect for them. Good. Yep. I, we got we'll, we'll, I, we'll, I, we got you. Go ahead, Bob. I, I was I was I was a little a little surprised that a few of the calls last day that I was reading on uh, ESPN online this morning when I got up about the uh, the Chicago coach just going berserk about some of the calls he made and and uh, you know from game to game and I've I've watched more games today this season than any other time since I've I got plenty of time on the during the weekend at, on Sundays to watch games. I've been watching a lot of different other teams' games than the normal Patriots, Jets, and Giants back in Connecticut. So, But to see the officiating, literally, you never know what's going to be out there on any given Sunday. It, 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 truly, is, it truly is amazing to me to watch. And I, I'm of the belief you just play. you got to play it out a little. You know, obvious, obvious uh, you know, penalties you got to call, but you got to get a yep. little give and take there, but. Holy mackerel. Last night was it was uh, not meant to be for the Bears, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they, they do not they do not look good. I think this will be the end of the road for their coach and uh, quite frankly I think it'll be the last year for Mike Zimmer, even if they make the playoffs unless they make some kind of run. I think I think that era is probably gonna come to an end. And um oh, yeah. it's probably Yeah, I think it's probably needed. Uh, he's, he's had a good nearly a decade it's just a lot lot just not not a lot of continuity you know i think um different offensive coordinator every year kirk cousins has been there um a lot, a lot of game time decisions i obviously watch all the games the clock management just some of the play calling and just the way the game clock is being managed and you know what was it about three years ago or so they had that rookie kicker that they drafted daniel carlson and against the packers they I think he missed like three field goals, and they cut him yeah. after they drafted him in the fifth round. Now, now I think he just extended his contract to be like maybe the the richest field goal kicker in the history of the NFL, and <laughs> and he just he just hit a game winning field goal right and made it twice when they froze him the other night, yeah. actually last night against the Browns. So it's stuff like that. Yeah. It, it's um, but I I remain faithful. In fact, I was just up in Minnesota for the last few days, taking care of some personal matters with my family. But um, so I got got a little dose of cold, um, and and snow up there. So yeah, looking yeah. forward to talking to you guys and giving you an update on what's been going on. I can't believe it's been nearly a year and a half since I've been on the podcast. Yeah, it has. And let's, let me read off here. Please tell our audience how you get started collecting cards and memorabilia again. Yeah, so uh, born in 1970, I started uh, busting my own packs of cards uh, with Tops in 1977. Got a lot of boxes of cards in both Tops and Fleer Team Action in 78, and pretty much collected, you know, like most, you know, through the mid-teenage years, and then kind of put it away for a while. Um, when you know eBay came on the scene, probably in 1999 or 2000. It was kind of like a, a cool way to, it was like an online flea market. And um, it was a way to kind of reconnect and, and try to go back and get some of the cards that I never could afford at the time when I was growing up or, or just didn't, you know, complete some of those sets. But, yeah, pretty much uh, that was uh, 
that was a main focus. I collected a lot, all the different types of sports cards, even non-sports cards. If it came out and it was sitting on a on a shelf of a Ben Franklin or or Snyder's was the that was probably the the most common place I would go was Snyder's, um, which was a local um, pharmacy drugstore chain, and um, yeah. So so even 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 set up in, in some card shows um, around Minneapolis. One of my uh, father's teaching uh, friends was a card collector, and I would carve out a little portion of his table at different shows and get a perspective uh, from you know the other side of the table and and did a little bit of dealing of cards when I was in college um, in Middle Georgia and and made some you know folding you know spending money pizza money if you will um, and just kind of stayed with it and I'd say probably maybe in the last five to 10 years, I've kind of been in a kind of an acquisition mode <laughs> um, from um, <laughs> you know, with Vikings cards and sports cards. So it's been fun. Eric, we have, we have such a eerily similar, you know, track through the hobby. I, I was born in December of 1970. I mean, ditto started cracking wax at, you know, seven or eight years old and, you know, found eBay in '99. I mean, geez, seriously, we we have such a similar run. Uh, it, it's it's cool. And, yeah, uh, and, and it's evolved. It's, there's so much to to go after. Um, and I know we're going to talk about what I've been doing lately, but that's that's what's actually been kind of interesting with um, going after these Vikings cards, but. Um, there, there's kind of like a large gap probably from, I don't know, 87 to maybe, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I really broke more than a box of football cards after 1987. Um, and so yeah. there was a lot. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I definitely, um, when I started my Vikings card collection, it was really focused on, you know, Tops, Philly, um, and Fleer. And then I probably mentioned this before, but, I think on eBay in the early 2000s, I bought like a 5,000 count box of Vikings cards and never really looked at it for 20 plus years. And then when the pandemic hit, I had some extra time and I opened it up and started going through it. And I realized how many kind of sets that I'd never even collected, whether it was upper deck or score or just stuff I didn't know anything about. And the next thing you know, I it put me on a journey to try to go after every single Minnesota Vikings card from 1961 through now in 2021, whether it's national, regional brand, uh, uh, you know, base cards, insert insert cards, um, uh, re, you know, stamps, could, any, anything that you could get distributed. Uh, I've been pretty much going after it, and it, it's been quite a process. And you know, Bob talked about a journey with his book. It's been even a, it's been a small like two to three year journey, and I'm I'm actually pretty surprised at how far I've gotten. So uh, you know, in, in in the quest, if you will. So there, yeah, I just, there's, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Joe. Oh, uh, I was going to say last time you're on a show, you're talking about you know your Vikings run that you're putting together, and just and it's just amazing. You 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 know, you focus on the Vikings. I I don't I'm a Seahawks fan, but I don't focus on that. So I mean, how many cards are you up to, and how close are you to completing that run of you know of of all Vikings like you just mentioned? Yeah, 
it it's um so right now I've tracked in a spreadsheet which has been even a, a pretty extensive process yeah. just to build that out and refine it. Fifteen thousand eight yeah, yeah fifteen thousand eight hundred and sixty three cards so far. Uh <laughs> I've got fourteen thousand seven hundred and thirty one wow. different. So I'm ninety three percent in. I I didn't get a chance to see where I was eighteen months ago, but I'm guessing I was maybe 70, 75%, and it obviously yeah. gets tougher. Um, but to put it in perspective, I, I you know, I I'll throw some numbers at you. The, um, you know, I'm actually in the 1960s, they only made 183 different Vikings cards, and I'm only at 82% there. In 1970s, they made 453. I'm also at 81% there. 1980s, still not that many, 577 different. I've got 98% of them, so I'm just missing what looks to be looks, uh, to 12. And then in the 1990s, there was 5,169 different Vikings cards. So I'm 96% there. Um, wow. wow. In the 2000s, it wow. got to 4,970. I'm 93% there. The 2010s, you know, Tops had its, its last year in 2015, and and most of it's all Panini. Um, that's 3,690 cards at 90%. And then just in 2020 and 21, um, I've tracked about 807, and I'm about 92% in. So it's a lot. And sometimes um, I wonder, like, why am I doing this? But it's it's fun. It's It's been a diversion. I've had more um, kind of uh, – home time uh, during the last couple of years and not as much travel as I used to do pre-pandemic. So it's been a lot of fun. So when we, when we joke around, when Pop and I joke around about the post-89 explosion, uh, you know, of cards, you, you pretty much just mathematically proved it right there. Yeah, it, it was amazing. I even went through and looked at a couple different players like, um, Randy Moss. So Moss has got 1,349 different cards, right? So just under 10% of all the cards are Randy Moss. It's a lot of Randy Moss. Chris Carter's got 900, actually a little over 1,000. And then I looked at it like uh, Adrian Peterson's got about 770. And Justin Jefferson, the new receiver, that's off to a great start. Looks like he might, he's going to set the record for most yards in the first two years of the NFL. He's got about 225 so far. So it's yep. um, it's been it's been fun. It's been educational, right? So all those years that I really didn't break any packs and I didn't really pay attention to very much, it's been um, I don't know. It's been informative, and and learning about all the different sets and um, and then being able, you know, like Bob said it really well earlier, um, the camaraderie and the people that you meet and. And running into you know a Browns collector, or uh, I was yeah. at a card show. Yeah, I was at a card show, and 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 met you know uh, Jason, you know a a, a rabbit uh, completist for you know New England Patriots cards and Tom Brady cards, and 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 so and that's been great. People you know start sending you stuff in the mail, and you know oh I hope you have even one of these cards, and and so that that's it's been. It's been a lot of fun, and and you know being able to even expand that out. So I've you know gotten into schedules and team issued photos and magnets and pennants. And the only thing that I really haven't ventured too much into from a Vikings collectible perspective is um, 
game day programs and really not a lot of like any any of the game used you know memorabilia jerseys and that kind of stuff it doesn't that yeah. doesn't um it's yep. takes up a lot of space the good thing about these cards is um i've got a system and um i, I still haven't figured out um, how many of these I'm going to put into binders and, and exactly how to display them. I, I can't imagine that I'm going to put them all into uh, into binders. It's just too many. Well, so but that, just, it just seems crazy to me that – oh, sorry, go ahead, Bob. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it would be really cool. I, I know it would be the biggest pain in the net to do, but to, to single sheet all those and put them in binders, from yeah. 1961 yeah. to the current year, man, oh, man. That, to me, that would just be so cool to look at. And, you know, when I had, when I reset up my uh, man cave again down here, as I had back in Wallingford, I had all my binders of all my sets from 1948 up to 2015. And it's cool to look at just to see the progression from year to year <clears throat> doing that. So, I don't know. I think we're going to have to put pressure on you to single shoot everything. And, yeah. And, um, <laughs> I, I, I have started. And, uh, uh, yeah. Also, platinum package sheets there. So, no, but I think it's, yeah, you know, I, I, I fully understand. You know, twenty thousand cards to put in nine package sheets. It'll take you a long time, and you're looking at you know whatever three thousand sheets plus. So, uh, it's you know not easy to say the least. So. Yeah, no, I, what I've done, um, so I've got the tops and the Philly and the FLIR team action and some other kind of like, you know, stickers and stuff like Panini stickers and top stickers and, you know, any kind of, any of that. But I did start the process of bindering like scorecards, right, because Panini still makes score brand. So that's a pretty good run from 1989 through 2021. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so what I've been doing is I, I put them into like, you know, 300, 400, 500 count boxes with penny sleeves. And and pre-pandemic, I bought a a case of penny sleeves thinking like, this is going to last me my entire life. I didn't even start it, you know, this Vikings quest. And just a week or two ago, I ran out of the 10,000 penny sleeves. And and obviously the pricing of all the supplies have gone way up. And I I bought another 5,000, which should be enough. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of, there's, you, once you get into something like this, there's a, a method of keeping track of it on your spreadsheet and then, um, you know, how to store it temporarily. So these things will be in these, these boxes yep. by brand and I, I don't keep them by year yet, but at least they're segmented between like upper deck and Pacific and, and, you know, Bowman and all the different brands. And then I'll get into, once I get, I'm getting to the point now where it's, I'll, I'll probably start, you know, sorting them out a little bit more closely, but, but yeah, it's been fun. And then in addition to that, it, it, just not, not doing only Vikings, but um, I know it's not a main segment for this, but, you know, actually kind of inspired by, you know, both of you guys and Jeffrey Payne and the F, uh, v, uh, v, uh, FC website, um, you know, I've been going after like, Tops and Fleer and Philly sets, like complete sets from 1959 through 79, and now I've even started the 57 set. So um, that, that's there's been a lot of a lot of cards coming in from eBay and from different websites, and that's been the other thing that's been interesting. There's there's actually 
it's not just eBay to get cards. There's um, there's a, a website that I found called Sports Lots where I can get a lot of cards for like 18 cents a piece. And then you can um, ship them to a centralized box, quote unquote, as they call it, ironically in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And um, and you can kind of gather them up and, and save on shipping. And, and then there's Beckett Online has got a lot of dealers that will run specials for like 20 or 25% off periodically. So kind of had to also get pretty, um, I guess, as frugal as you could um, and, and be mindful of trying to get the best deals possible. Because um, it's the, probably the least, uh, the place where I don't go and get Vikings cards is at an in-person card show. Because it's just, it's too hard um, to do that in person. It's, it's much easier, believe it or not, on, online to look at somebody's inventory and cross-reference it in front of my computer against the spreadsheet. Um, nope. that the checklist is too big to do that in person. Yeah. Yep. 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 So. I think all of us have wandered nationals with printed out checklists and pens and yeah, no, we, yep. I hear you. It's just, it's still just baffling, just crazy. When I hear about, you know, someone like you, a collector who's just focused on one thing and just rabid about it and collecting and obsessing about something. It's just yeah, it, such uncharted territory to me. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you a couple other numbers just to kind of give you a perspective because you get kind of deep in this and the spreadsheet keeps you, keeps, you, keeps the structure and sanity because it does take some perseverance and patience, um, sometimes which I don't have very much of, but this kind of helps balance it for me. So like uh, tops, right? So tops from 1961 through 2015, base cards, insert cards. There's probably some parallels, promo cards. 3,663, Panini, um, which basically started in, well, they had stickers in the 1980s and 90s, but they didn't start making cards, I don't think, until 2010 um, and, and took over, um, you know, licenses from some of the other defunct uh, card manufacturers. They've got now 3,600 different Vikings cards. You know, Upper Deck had 1,681 different Vikings and I'll tell you one brand that I probably uh, I like the designs is Playoff, um, which now is a Panini brand, and they had some pretty innovative die cut designs. Same thing with Pacific. There's some yeah some interesting cards and and different designs, and a lot of those things are still being being used by Panini right now. Yeah, definitely. But, definitely. but it's gotten pretty deep. What, what? And, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes I wonder, like, uh, can I get the final 7%? There's, there's certain cards that um, are more difficult because they're numbered and they're a limited number and they're in the, you know, a base set or an insert. Um, and then there's some that are autographed as well. So I, I'm probably during the next couple of weeks during the holiday break going to maybe rationalize the list and just make sure that um, – you know, some of these, I might weed out some and not go after them because I might have been a little bit ambitious when I was building up the, the spreadsheet. But um, but it's getting to the home stretch inside the 20-yard line red zone time. So um, I'm, I'm hoping to wow. see if I can finish this out. I'll, I'll be honest with you, though. I told this to Bob offline. I, I, I think I'm going to, after this year, I, you know, I might do a few of the Panini sets, but there's, quite frankly, there's too many of them. There must be over, I don't know, over three dozen different Panini sets, 
and some of them, you know, with the price of cards have gotten way up, and it's it's almost it's almost too much. So um, yeah, yeah, I'll probably well, scale you're, it back. You're better off waiting for dealers to just break the uh, packs open and then unload them at the end of the season type of thing, make a bulk buy, which I know you do anyway. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. You know, 30, 30, different car, 30 different sets, how can you even keep up with them? And if you're going to buy them from packs, forget it. I mean, that is very expensive, yeah, I, to say the least, I, you know? And none of, so, none of this. I, 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 don't, I haven't bought any panini packs. I, I wouldn't mind going to the store and finding some, but you can't. They're, they're not available. And I think they're – I think they they release a set, an NFL set, like every single month. There's like one or two sets that come out every month, and yeah. you can't even get them. So it's and it's turned into like legalized gambling. So people are spending yep. what a thousand, two thousand dollars for a box of Panini Prism, you know, hoping to get some kind of one of one, you know, autograph card of Trevor Lawrence or whoever's the hot you know, rookie, it's, it's, I, I can usually get what I want online at a fraction of what people are paying to open these boxes up. Yep. Yep. I agree. Eric, what, what are the top six items in your collection? Um, and if you could describe them briefly, um, for our audience. So Vikings related, I still am a big fan of these acro metal plaques that are in copper and silver. I've got both the copper mm-hmm. and silver, which is more rare. Um, in fact, upstairs, um, this is not football related, but I found a Minnesota Kicks um, acro metal plaque, which was the North American Soccer League in the 1970s when they used to be a pretty good team and play against Pele. So I'm trying to find all the different Minnesota sports teams. I haven't found the the North Stars yet, but that those Vikings plaques are really cool. Um, I've got a 1962 Tarkenton rookie in SGC seven and a half that I like. Um, uh, third thing would be uh, I've got a, a 1968 Vikings Hoyle poster. It's a really large poster. I think they used to get distributed like when you would get those forms at in grade school and you could order magazines and posters and stuff. Um, that, that I've got framed in Maddot, which is pretty cool. Um, and then, you know, I've got some, I've got a, a print of the old Met Stadium um, by Terry Jacobson, who's a, who's a, a, our, our local Minnesota artist um, that's hand-signed and limited edition. It's of uh, the Vikings playing the Packers outside in the snow at old Met Stadium. And then, you know, some, some Vikings team issued photos. I've got a complete 1961 set that I got from a fellow collector, um, Steve Coleman. And, um, and then there's some newer stuff, like some um, bronze Vikings figurines of like a um, – they're pretty kind of cool looking, but they're, they're not, you know, NFL licensed or anything, but they're, they just look good in the man cave. So I'm kind of, kind of branching out. It's not just all cards, but um, – yeah. And I even I went to a card show in in Maplewood, Minnesota on Sunday. Had some extra time once I got the stuff done. I and I bought some Viking stuff. I'm, I got like a a lapel pin that's brand new, never been even used from the 1970s. Um, picked up one of these 
uh, Viking helmet magnetic schedules. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the old schedules that you used to be have like a magnet board and and you could you know keep it in your bedroom on the wall and kind of move the magnets back and forth you know depending upon the you know on the standings. So I picked up that and um, and also That's some cool. old. Yeah, and I'm also got a book that I speaking of books, and I'm looking forward to Bob's book coming out. I ended up buying Scott Studwell, Viking for Life: Four Decades uh, in the in the NFL, and I haven't haven't opened that up yet, but I was going to look at it over the next couple of weeks, and and uh, it's good to 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 hark back, harken back, and and listen, read these stories and, and, and be around these guys. I actually had the chance and my, I wanted to do it. My good friend did not want to do it, but I could have gone to Tommy Kramer's house and paid $125, which would have gone to charity and watched Monday night football at his house with him, Ted cool. Brown. Yeah. And Ed McDaniel. And, um, uh, he's even got Baba, a yellow Packers urinal in his man cave basement <laughs> with a green big Packers logo that you can that you can relieve yourself on um, for the for Vikings fans, but um, I, I I just couldn't get I my buddy to do it. Yeah, I won't be I won't be going to Tommy Kramer's house anytime soon. Obviously, so. <laughs> yeah. By, by the way, Eric, Bob usually caps it at one of your top five items. He gave you six. He he must really like you. Um, you, we've, 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 I've met you at many nationals. We've been to, you know, VFC pizzas before. I mean, you, you've got to have some really good collecting stories. You, you don't accumulate, you know, a collection as good as yours without some good stories. What do you, what do you, what do you got? What we, or anything you can share with our audience? Yeah, I don't know if I shared this one before or not, but like, I had a lot of fun interacting with some of the players through um, a guy I used to play golf with a lot. 20 years ago, um, his his brother-in-law was Jim Marshall of the Vikings, and so um, I got invited to. And, and Jim had a you know an annual scramble golf event up at the um, old 3M employee golf course, and just going to that and, and and hanging out and talking with Joe Capp and Bill Brown and Gary Larson and. Wally Hilgenberg and and even athletes of other other sports yeah. that that and that was just a tremendous amount of fun and so my good friend that I was with last night watching the Vikings game um, we got to play golf got paired up with Paul Krause and Paul was a really good golfer and and so just had a great time with him um, he introduced us to a bunch of the a uh, bunch of the guys got a bunch of autographs but. Not, I'm not as big into autographs, honestly. It was just more about the interaction and and spending time with these guys um, and and getting to getting to know them a little bit. Um, another one, I, I was up in the last. I know I definitely did this after the last podcast, but I went up to a card show to go see a Vikings game, and it just happened there was a card show um, as well on the day before the Vikings game, and and went and and turned out that there was. Uh, one of the defensive backs from the 1970s, Jeff Wright, um, uh, he, he, play, he was in the backfield with Nate Wright, and it turned out that Jeff, he went to the same high school that I went to. He was signing autographs, and I probably, 
sat there and talked to him for nearly an hour about like, did you have this teacher in school? And he he actually was a really good athlete. Went to went to Edina High School, then went to the University of Minnesota. He was even the point guard on their basketball team that won, I want to say, like 67 straight games in a row and three state championships in a row. Um, wow. Just just getting a chance to um, meet some of these guys and talk to them, they're, they're very, you know, it's, it's always been a positive experience for me, at least meeting and talking to them. And, you know, if you, you know, happen to get an autograph, that's kind of just a, a bonus. But just to hear him, like, talk about, like, you know, where were you on the field when the 1975 Hail Mary with Drew Pearson and Roger Staubach? And he goes, I was actually hurt and was watching it in the box and, um, and, and just getting to hear his perspective on, you know, going down into the locker room after the game and, and just, just getting a, a perspective you can't get anywhere else just by interacting with these guys. Yeah. That's wow. cool. But, uh, I figured one of your in- interesting stories would have been at yeah, the last national. You handed me a, you know, a rainbow of Steve Largent cards, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, thank you." <laughs> I did. I did. I, hopefully, you and your son enjoy them. Um, that, that's one of the things I, I should point out. I, on this Vikings card collection thing, this quest, as I call it, I don't go after all the parallels because if I did, that nearly sixteen thousand number would turn into like. 80,000 because of all these parallels. However, yep. that 2019 Donruss, um, I actually tried to go after all of the cards and all the parallels, and I think I'm missing like six out of 171. And, wow. and in the ones wow. that I'm missing, I think only one of them is like numbered to 19. The other ones don't, don't have any numbers. I Sometimes I wonder if they even exist. So um, that, that's one of these things where my guess is there's probably people out there that are going after after all of these rainbows, but it, it's just you go broke doing it or, or insane because there's just there's just yeah. too much. But Eric, um, we're running out of time here, so I want to I want to limit what you're going to say on the next one because Joe's got something he wants to ask you after uh, his question. Sure. So can you briefly tell us about your team issue uh, Viking photo collection? I know you've really uh, worked on that and gotten a lot of photos over the past few years on that. Yeah, th- th- this is probably – this is my favorite part of the Vikings collection um, is, is these team issue photos, black and white photos, many of them were taken by – I think it's called Loghead um, – photography out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, a gentleman used to travel the country and, and do it for football and basketball. And, um, and so there, I've tracked, um, thanks to fellow collector Steve Coleman, I think a, a thousand and eighty-one different Vikings team issued photos. And right now I've got 436 different ones. Um, and it, they're probably the most difficult to find. Um, in fact, when I was up at the card show this past weekend in, in Minnesota, I, I didn't see any of them. And when I talked to some of the dealers that, you know, had been doing, you know, card shows in the area for a long time, they admitted to knowing of them but really don't see them very often. Um, yeah. You know, I, I believe that they were distributed to um, season ticket holders, maybe on request or just sent to them in the mail, or they were distributed to, like, the newspapers or – 
you know, Associated Press to use as, you know, photog uh, photographs in, in the newspaper. But th those are really neat. It's, it's, it's literally like a gigantic puzzle. Um, and so sometimes, you know, you, you can get pretty deep into it and then realize, like, okay, this must have been at the same exact photo shoot as when they took his tops card. And I can see the same, you know, uh, pine trees in the background from the old uh, Vikings training camp that used to be in Bemidji, Minnesota. Um, and so there's, you know, and then there's different poses. Um, and, and there's, none of these are numbered, right? Um, and and they're, they don't have most of the time, well, maybe half the time they're, they're stamped on the back with a date of the log head photography. And then half the time there is no stamping. So it's, it's a little bit of a, a puzzle to try to figure out, you know, when the photo was taken. Um, and, you know, and some of these over a thousand different ones, um, you know, I don't, I don't even know if some of these even exist. Um, hmm. But it's, it, there's not a lot of them out there. I, I um, you know, I think uh, a fellow uh, Washington football team uh, collector, uh, Wynn, he, he's, he's got quite a few of those. I think he's been on the show talking about them. I know I met with him at the, the last national, and we both agreed mm -hmm. that it was actually the favorite part of our collection was the, the team issue um, photos, which are predominantly all black and white. Um, even even into the ones that did in the 1980s, they, they, they tend to be black and white as well. So mm -hmm. my, my last question is, what's on your want list? What's your white whale right now? But it sounds like that's it. Yeah. I know when we talked last time, you asked me, you, you stumped me of what it is that I want that I don't have. And I think I said an Alan Page game-used helmet, which is probably in his own personal collection. But, I, yeah, I, I would say, um, you know, getting more of those team issued photos is probably um, probably the, the thing that I would like to get, you know, more of just because I just, I believe they're very, um, they're rare and I, I don't think they were distributed very widely. Um, some of them that I've gotten recently, like I think I got a Fran Tarkington from, it had to have been taken the same photo shoot as his rookie card, but it was kind of cropped and cut. And then on the back of it, um, it, it shows like three or four different occasions when that photo was used in the Minneapolis Star and Tribune. Um, so, so I, to me, the, the part also that I like about those is um, condition doesn't really matter. Um, uh, it, you know, if it's got writing on it or stamps on it or and all that, it just kind of it just gives more credence to the nostalgia of it, in my opinion. Sure. Bob, I'm looking forward to this book. One of the things that I would be interested to understand in your book, if it's in your outline or not, is just the, you know, you talk about the interaction of fellow collectors and, and you know, just going to card shows, right? Like, um, I mean, I probably went to my first card show in maybe 84, 85, but, um, you know, when things got very popular. But I'd have to imagine that you've got, you know, 60 years, you know, going through a journey, probably have a lot of, uh, there's probably like the dark ages of, of football card collecting when, you know, it was yeah. probably all mainly baseball. And, and, it, was, and it, was, it, was the, it was the time of dumpster diving. I mean, uh, dealers didn't want to know that they had, didn't want anybody to know they had football cards and secretly bought from them. 
That's what it really was. It came down to up, to, up yeah. roughly into 1987, 88, and then everything took off in 89. That's it. Joe, yep. you got two things even and we got less than five minutes. So, yeah, even yep. this past week, I'll do this. Uh, Eric, I'm going to have to cut you off. I have a joke okay. quiz uh, for you. You're a, you're a special guest, and for right. a special guest that I know, I put a joke quiz together. So go buy a lot okay. of on your way home. Question nice. number one. Are you ready? Yes. Adrian Peterson, future Seattle Seahawks Hall of Famer, or Vikings throwaway? <laughs> I'll go with Vikings. Th- I'll go with Vikings throwaway. He, he's he's in the long line of Carl Eller and 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 uh, John Randall of all these uh, Vikings that find themselves in a Seahawks uniform. My. Uh, one of my favorite cards was the 1980 Tops with Carl Eller. I didn't understand how good he was the Vikings and moved on until, you know, later in life. But, yeah, it's weird to see AP suiting up, and uh, nice nice to see uh, see our coach handing him the ball to start getting some, some touchdowns, get close to that record. Yeah, he, he, I know he's at least at – yep, go ahead. Yep. Oh, nope. Uh, question number two. This revolves around Steve Hutchinson. Oh. Seattle Seahawk Benedict Arnold Trader or Great <laughs> Viking Steel? Oh, <laughs> uh, I I think it's I think it's a traitor. I I, um, I think I think I think it was probably an agent or the general manager of the Vikings yep. that found a loophole in his contract and yep. you know, it was great to he got elected to the Hall of Fame recently, and his speech was fantastic. And I think um, yep. it was one of these things where he didn't write his own contract to find that loophole. And seems like he's done a good job kind of balancing, you know, the fan base from Seattle and Minnesota. But I, I think I'd go more of a traitor on that one. Yeah, his name will forever be Poison Pill to me because of that. Yeah. That was the loophole in the contract. All right, question number three. You're doing really good so far, by the way, e. My question is, Purple People Eaters or Legion of Boom, best defense ever? I would, I mean, I I have to take the homer pick. I can't go against the people, the Purple People Eaters. I just can't do it. Um, Not with Alan Page and Carl Eller, Jim Marshall, who, Maybe one day gets in the Hall of Fame. I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the the Viking Purple. Uh, that's incorrect. Legion of Boom, mathematically uh, one of the best <laughs> defenses ever, top three. So, uh, you're, well, you're you, you were doing good up until that point. And yeah. well, my last question for you, because we're running out of time, if you went to a garage sale at Bud Grant's house, what would you hope to find? <laughs> oh. I tell you he's what I want to get. He, he's famous for throwing garage sales, as you know. Yes, he he's, he's still he's still alive. Tommy Kramer goes out and signs stuff. I actually I think there's a a, a, a I think he's got a a bobblehead and it with a Vikings headset and that he signs that I'm not sure. I don't. I think he sells those at his garage sale. I'd probably go with an autographed Bud Grant bobblehead. I want to say that. There's different versions of them. One of them's hunting, but there's one that I think he's like coaching, and he's got a headset on. 
or something like that. But I probably yeah. I probably go for that. Something right. something autographed by him. Yep. Eric, thank Eric, you. I got to cut you short because we're down we're down to yep. forty seconds. Real quick, last question. Advice for a beginning collector. Stay focused and enjoy what you collect. Thanks, guys. Says the guy with 16,000 Viking cards. I love it. <laughs> so we're, we're completely out of time. Everybody, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, and we'll be talking soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.